Okay, we have a little bit of a time for an audience Q&A. So we have Monin over here. She has a stick mic and she's happy to bring it out into the room. If someone has a question, you can raise up your hand. No one has anything to say. That's great. Thank you. Okay, so then I will jump into the opportunity and take a question, right? So I think in this session, we had a lot of like conversations about what is the metaphors, how to use it, and et cetera, et cetera. We also covered that it has a body. Um, but right now, that body is kind of controlled by very few and very large private companies, right? Like it's something we didn't directly address, but it's kind of embedded in the conversation. How do you think about that as someone who both works with AI and also like studies and stuff like that? Easy question. Okay, then I have to take the grenade. Um, well, I mean, so first of all, um, working with those company, I neither deny or I would say I played the fifth. Uh, no, but I think, yeah, I mean, I think in one hand there is a, I mean, of course there is a lot of uh, resources in order to develop all these algorithms that, uh, you know, small companies cannot do yet. And so at the end of the day, but luckily there is a lot of like open source things that you can play with. like. I played with tools, so I don't know, I didn't know that much about code, but luckily because even big companies are releasing, uh, you know, algorithms and you can play them with and other people build tools like, I don't know, Runway. So, I mean, there is a bit of an, op there is a, quite a lot of open possibility, even though, you know, when you look at the, at the base, you know, the, the, the starting data sets probably are the problem because those are being done by someone and you don't have access to that and all the biases, all the problems come from that. So, yeah, there is no, Solution. <laughs> <laughs> There's no solution. You agree? Yeah, I, I mean, one of the things that uh, I think I realized in the course of working with people working on recommender systems was that um, when they started getting into this field, most of these people were working on sort of very small things, right? The recommender was in the corner of the system that you used. It wasn't like the whole thing. And we live in a world now where not only is, you know, if you use a, a service like Spotify or Netflix, the recommender system is sort of everything, right? It's the entire interface, but it's also then even bigger than that, right? The whole music industry, all sorts of industries are getting filtered through these systems. And they didn't start in that place. They started like these sort of traps as like a thing you sort of tuck away in the, in the corner. Uh, and so one of the things that I sort of deal with in, in my book a little bit is that, that weird feeling that people who are really enthusiastic about this technology and help to build it have over time of realizing this looks very different. This works very different when it works at large scale. And not to go into the, too much of the trap thing, but there's this uh, kind of trapping called landscape trapping, which is pastoralists will sort of organize a whole landscape in order to sort of organize the flows of animals within it. So you can sort of make it so your animals are already effectively caught just by living in the place where they live. And I think that's what we see now uh, in the design of these systems because they're built by such uh, hegemonic and powerful corporations. That's not a solution. <laughs> oh, it's good. I mean, we can we can end with the question. That's really okay. We have actually oh. the audience starts to open up. Here. Humans, yeah, other humans. He's human. I also had something to say on that, but I okay, can come yeah. after the question. Yeah. Hi, that was great, by the way, all of them. So I'm Meg from New Orleans, and I'm wondering, or I'm under the belief that I can personally jam the algorithm. <laughs> Am I deluding myself? We I think. You may have like a better sense of algorithms, Nick, as in like jamming them. I think that obfuscation is always helpful, like always hack the system. Um, but that's not a technical response to, you know, can you actually block the algorithm? I don't think you can. But there's nothing you can do that isn't a signal. Mm. Anything you're going to do in response to these systems is a signal. 
whether, whether it's not using it or using it in a way that you think is silly, it's always going to be a signal for something. Mm. Yeah. I will just repeat it. Uh, so can I pass my own equity? Uh, yeah, can I bust my own echo chamber by clicking on things I don't like or don't believe or don't care about? Maybe. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't but because I was talking about uh, with him about the music and the, the first example I remember when uh, Spotify Discovery Weekly came out. And, you know, that was the first time that an algorithm clearly defined me as a particular music taste. And I felt offended because I was like, you know, do, do I only like German electro music? Like, what the fuck? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm different, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm you know. And, and so then I started, you know, because I, Spotify algorithm is pretty, it's complex, but you, it, it's very sensitive. So then I started, oh, I'm going to give you some Fela Kuti there. And now what do you give me? And at the end of the day, everything ended up being lo-fi dubstep. So you can mess with it, but it's going to be dubstep. <laughs> I, I was going to say that actually, I think there's, the, the question is not, can I get out of it? But, all, but actually, how do I survive this catastrophe that I have, that we have no ways of actually controlling through individual means? And I think that's what a lot of us are more motivated by. And just to sort of like plug my work and what I do is that we recently started teaching a master's program to people like you actually, practitioners who are already working in government and industry and business to think about what is the space for re-architecting any of these things? Because our notion of things like regulation is, oh, it must come from the top down, or it must come through people and workers' movements, and you know everybody can obfuscate. But I, I think it's actually much more mundane and banal because people often at the forefront of these things feel like, if they don't act now, or if we don't individually act now, everything's going to go to shit. And I don't know if it's always like techno, <laughs> dystopia and utopia are not so um, clear and always like on this knife edge. You know, everything is much more banal and along the way. It's sort of like everyday practices and you know, being in solidarity in different ways. So I would say that the people that I teach are trying to bring a little bit more reflection to what does it mean to change the relationship that we have with software, with industry. I mean, let's not hold our breaths for Mark and Jeff and you know all of those people uh, and their their handmaidens. You know to, okay. to change. Thank this. you. <laughs> <laughs> uh.